Rebecca, thank you so much for talking with me about your books and about your writing. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So my first question for you is, um, since you since you began writing in 2012, or since your debut novel, which is Better Off Red in 2012, and your latest book, Rafe, in 20, that came out this year, in 2019, how has your writing changed? Um, I think, I mean, I hope my writing's gotten better. <laughs> um, I hope. Um, and I think I've changed the way that I think about my readers in that I try not to put stuff in that's like overtly traumatic so like in better off red i mean no spoilers but like kind of the um climax of the story is that she's the heroine ginger is like almost sexually assaulted she's not she's not assaulted but she her she finds herself in a situation with someone who is trying to sexually assault her um and now i don't think i would write that on the page. I do have romantic suspense stories like Haven and Sanctuary that have violence in them, but those are framed as kind of like, you know there's going to be like a thriller aspect to it. Right. Um, So I don't put that stuff so much in my regular contemporaries anymore. Um, In So Right, which is the follow-up to So Sweet, Mm -hmm. um, the heroine Kayla, she's like, she's a plus size black woman and she ends up engaged to a billionaire who's um, white and South Asian, but white passing. And, you know, people online are like saying stuff about her. Cause obviously like when, you know, famous people start dating someone, everyone on the internet's got something to say. Right. Um, and instead of putting those like, harsh things that people might say about someone in the book. I I chose to acknowledge that harsh things were being said, but on the page I wrote like the nice things that people were saying about her and the way people were also defending her on the internet. Um, And I tried to do that because I know my readers are real people and during their free time, they don't deserve to be like re-traumatized. Yeah, I I get what you're saying because I have read books like, in the past um where the like if something traumatic happens like you don't expect it or especially with like sexual assault and it can be like jarring when you're like you're like wait where's this coming from this is completely out of left field out of left field and some writers i find it seems like some things are a little bit too explicit with what's happening like you don't have to like give like every single detail for us to to figure out what's happening it for me it's the same way with film and tv like you don't necessarily have to show the assault for us to understand and know what's going on yeah yeah so like so that's i think that's that's great because it Sometimes I wonder if writers do consciously think what their writers, what could happen for their writers when they read them. Because if, especially if the person has been through a traumatic experience themselves, they, when they're reading a romance novel, the last thing they're expecting to do is to read about rape or assault. If, if, it, if that's not what was implied in the beginning of the story or if that's not implied okay. in the storyline. So, yeah, I think that's pretty great. And um, I've noticed, like, looking back at your writing history, you you've kind of like shifted like genres like over time and when do you know when to 
switch or change genres or like specific stories because like your foot your first book better off um read is a lesbian romance story and you've gone into like bdsm or like bdsm and erotica i know you're more into uh i guess you would say heteronormative relationships but like different types as well like how do you know when you when you're ready to switch genres um you would say that like I had a plan. I did not have a plan. <laughs> it just happens. Just happened. Like I started, I so I wrote Better Off Red because I was reading a bunch of um, vampire series and none of them had queer women in them and I right. was like driving nuts. So I wanted to write one that had queer women in it. Um, and then I ended up with a queer publisher or a lesbian publisher. So I just, I had put out a bunch of lesbian romances and then... There was, Harlequin had a call for, oh, I think it was their Cosmo Red Hot Reads line back in, I don't remember what year that was. I think it was 2013, I think, 2013. Um, And so I submitted a version of Fit to that. And so I was, while I was working with a lesbian publisher, I was like, oh, well, I'll submit a straight story to Harlequin. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then they didn't end up taking that. So I like tweaked it and then self-published it. And then I was like, oh, I'll just like kind of self-publish a bunch of light, like hetero romances or whatever. Um, but it wasn't, it, I would love to say that I had like some really great master plan. <laughs> and that's not it at all. It's really like kind of what I feel like writing at the time. Mm. Yeah. And like when you're when you're creating a story, like what how much inspiration do you draw from the people around you or from like things that you observe in like society or like on Twitter? Because I know you're very active on Twitter and social media. Like how much is how much comes directly from your imagination and how much comes from what's going on around you? Well, usually the the couple's journey is definitely just from my imagination. Usually the plot is just from my imagination. Um, I, tr- I don't usually, like, for the couple's journey, I never draw from real people I know. Mm. That's, yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, every once in a while, like, little tidbits of, like, my family and stuff will just end up in some of the books. Like, a lot of the moms in the books have, like, bits and pieces of my mom. And, like, a lot of the dads in the books have bits and pieces of my dad and stuff like that. But it's not like, oh, this thing happened and I'm going to, like, put it in a book. Um, I do try to keep my books culturally relevant in a sense. So, like in Rafe, um, when Sloane is like interviewing new nannies, like I, she makes a point of saying that, like, you know, things have changed for her. That like she wants a nanny who like shares her same moral values and political values, right? Because she's raising children and she wants the adults who are around her children to have the same political moral values that she has. Um, so I did mention like kids in cages and, you know, gun rights and all this other stuff. Cause that's what's happening right now. I mean, it's been happening for a long time, but, um, you know, that part of it is relevant, but I don't try, I, I think I'm more on top of like what's happening in the news and maybe like a sense of what's going on, but I try not to put too much like directly directly in my books mm. and for for books like that feature um because like most of your books are interracial and really couples right and what led you to to write specifically about interracial couples and if and what was the reaction from your um your readers when you first started doing that well my first book is interracial so 
no like no negative reaction or anything right, yeah. that team completely on board with it um and i mean i feel like here's the thing like all kinds of romance i feel like is is popular like i'll read about two white people fall in love if it's good i'll read about two black people fall in love if it's good i think mm-hmm. all kinds of romance is popular and every kind of romance kind of has its like little pockets where um it does really well i for me i like especially if you read better off red there's like a gajillion people in that book like there's so many characters um there's you know there's like 36 girls in the sorority and like i don't know if i name all of them in the book but like i have a chart with all of their names and it's like their family members and like all the vampires and then some of the vampires are married and like all the demons that they deal against like, just so many people and so i wanted to include as many types of people as i possibly could so like there's all the vampires in better off red are different ethnicity or if they're like white they're from a different country like i tried to really like switch it up i have russian vampires and a vampire from new zealand like i tried to really switch things up um and then as i was moving forward i was i was just trying to kind of jam as many people um in the books as possible that said i always try to make sure if i'm writing two women or two female identifying people um, I try to make sure one of them is at least a woman of color, if not both. Um, and then in my um, hetero romances, I always try to make sure that one person is a person of cover. I don't think I've written any white women in my hetero ones. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I've written any white women in my hetero ones. I think it's there's been a speckling of white dudes. Um but even then, only three white dudes. A lot of I have a lot of men of color in my series too. And then my book's coming up. Um, it's all black couples coming hmm. up. Well, that that's good because like for me, like from the time I started, when I started reading romance novels, I started out with but with like Harlequin romances, and then I moved on to like um, Mills and Boons and those books, and they were always yeah. and they were always like white couples. Right, because yeah. those were the books that I could find, and then I progressed into. Then I I found like um the imprints, like the BET imprints. You know, there were like books oh, that were yeah. like the, the BET shows and stuff, and those and those ones were like focused mainly on like black couples. And so like when I got older, I realized because um, I was thinking about it recently, like like preparing for our um, our, our our chat. I was thinking about, huh, like, it was kind of, like, almost, like, seamless for me, like, to progress from, like, I went from white to, like, strictly re- only reading books to black couples to reading, like, interracial couples. And yeah. that happened for me around, I think it was around 14, at age when I had no business <laughs> reading, those kind, <laughs> reading those kind of books. I started reading romance books way too early. Um, but, yeah, but I think, like, and like for me, I realized it also like in just in life, like it's all I think it's allowed me to like be like able to interact with people from like different ethnicities and different cultures, especially reading, yeah. growing up in a, in an island like Barbados, which is like yeah. not homogenous because like Barbados is very diverse, but like being surrounded mostly by black people, I think it allowed me to be more yeah. like to learn about other cultures, so to speak, and like in a yeah. different way from like re- watching like History Channel or whatever. But it's always fascinated me when I when I especially um for black off um, female authors to write about interracial relationships right because I've always wondered like what's the reaction from from readers when you do that yeah I think I mean 
I've, I think I found my niche. I think I found, um, I mean, I think a lot of people too, who come back to my books, just kind of like the way I write. Cause I don't write the same couple in every book. It's not like I do like, um, some people do do black woman, white man for everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't do that. I try to, I switch it up with every book. Yeah. Um, this go around, I just happen to be writing just as I like wrote books out of order, like they're going to come out out of order, but it's going to feel like I have a bunch of black woman, white dude books back to back. So like sanctuary and then, uh, wrapped came out and then, um, rave came out and then Zenny will be the last one. That's black woman, white man. Um, but in sanctuary, like he's, he's, Half white, he's Polynesian as well. So it's mm-hmm. like, I try to switch it up, but, you know, coming down the pipeline, it's going to be um, a woman who's like multiracial. So she's like Afro Cuban um, and Lebanese. Like she's like super multiracial. Mm-hmm. And then with a guy who is, who's like basically Bruno Mars. He's like Afro Cuban and South Asian. Oh, okay. Um, and then I think like three black couples in a row. And then, um, a couple who's, I'm, I have, uh, Oscar Isaac inspired hero coming up. So it's going to be like, I don't just do one type of couple. Yeah. You know, one of my, one of my most popular books is a uh, sated, which is the third book in the fit trilogy. And that one has a black woman and a Korean American. Yeah, man, so. That was actually the first book I read from you. And it was, oh. yeah, it was, cause it was so when I read it. Cause I was like, ah, I was like, like, he's not only Asian, but he has, like, I guess you could say disability because he has a prosthetic arm. Yeah, and it was like, this is probably the first contemporary book where the man has a prosthetic arm because like if I read someone with like a prosthetic it would have been like a historic romance but like like back in you know like Victorian or um, Edwardian era like the men were like pirates or whatever (laughs) so like I think it was probably the first contemporary book where I read the man he was a man he was a man of color and he had like I guess a disability as he was as we would say so that was interesting for me to read I wasn't expecting it was like ah this is different and that's what actually led me to read some of your 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 other books yeah he's bisexual too so and he was bisexual yeah Daniel a little bit of everything. Think everything. <laughs> Daniel, but that, but people, I mean, I other than Rafe, because people like love Rafe. But before Rafe, Daniel was hands down people's favorite hero of mine. All the time, people are like, oh, I love Satan. People are, I see people recommend my books, and they'd be like, oh, skip the first two fit books, but don't. They're really good. Um, and go right to Satan. I even sometimes I tell people, I'm like, you can read them out of order. You can read Satan first. Mm-hmm. But Daniel was like, I mean, he still is. People love him. So, yeah. And I think that's the thing. You can write a man of color who's has a disability or is queer or it's just different in any kind of way. And readers will still want to read about them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I, like, I, th- there's very few books that I've read. And I've read, like, I don't even know, like, probably thousands of romance books where the main character is a man of color. I always read, if anything, um, it was usually always, if it was eight it was always, like, usually, like, black woman, white man. Very few were yeah. like white women, black men, but like I, I was always looking for ones with like interracial relationships that were not um, black and white. I was always looking for, especially for black women, like Asian men, like you know, yeah. Southeast Asian, Middle Eastern, like and like coming in Barbados, like, it, they were kind of hard to find because we always we would only get what was like popular. 
Yeah. So, like, those kind of books weren't, like, that popular, so it was hard to find them growing up. And I, there was a time where I stopped reading romances because I just got tired. I was like, I need something different. Yeah. And I only started reading about probably, like, last year. Because, <laughs> oh. yeah, because, like, and I think, I think part of it is because um, when you, we, I, I blame the Twilight series. <laughs> okay. Because and I said this because a lot of books started to be inspired by the by by that by that series and that yeah. was all that was coming out for a while because I I liked reading like um, vampire series and stuff like I read Sh- Shelley Lawrence and I think I read most of her books. Yeah. And like, I like those kind of I like I read like genre books I read like books about um, vampires werewolves that kind of stuff. But then yeah. there was a time I was just like I, I lost interest because I'm like everyone is writing the same thing I'm like I want something different. Yeah, that's how, I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, because if you want to read a lot of the same thing, sometimes that's just how trends in traditional publishing go, which is, excuse me, um, which is why I'm glad that self-publishing is kind of taking off the way mm-hmm. it's taking off because there's so much more variety. And then if you want to go, like, I love paranormal romance, but, you know, I, I started reading romance kind of late and I started with Twilight. I was late to the game. Oh. And then I read a bunch of paranormal and it got, I got kind of like bogged down in paranormal, but then I found paranormal that was self-published by black women and it was different. And it had, you know, black heroines in it and it had a lot of plus size black heroines mm-hmm. in it. Um, and I even read, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I read there was one white author, Kate Douglas, who she has a series that actually had people of color in it too. And I was, for me, it was like, I didn't mind those older tropes are like the same tropes i just wanted the people to be a little bit different right so like you you just mentioned that you you started reading romance books late like how late like what for you was late late i was like 12 i don't know maybe 25 26 i know a lot of people started when they were like pre-teens or mm-hmm. teens um when i was a kid i didn't i have like really really bad add um and i'm the youngest of four and so I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you have ADD, but when you have ADD, it's really hard to refocus. Mm. And for me, it's really hard for me to refocus um, if, it's, if I don't have, like, certain kinds of quiet or if I'm not reading something that, like, really interests me. So when I was growing up, like, when I was really little, I liked going to the library and, like, picking out whatever books I could pick out, and then I would be fine. Um, but then, you know, when you're in school and you start getting assigned books, it was... I just didn't, wasn't reading stuff that I really liked. Um, and then I became one of those like millennial kids that was like overscheduled. So like I had so many activities after school. So like I'd go to school and then I'd come home and I'd have like, you know, elementary school, I'd have like swim practice, basketball practice, Girl wow. Scout. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd have to do my homework. So by the time, you know, and then the weekends, it was, like, family stuff, sports, like, all this stuff. So by the time I, I didn't, like, have much free time. Like, all, all the actual free time I had, I was trying to sleep. <laughs> um, and then I would get, you know, in the summertime, my mom would be like, oh, go to the library and get a book. I'm like, I remember one summer I, like, tried to read Wayne the Exhale, and I was like, this is way above my reading level. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but it wasn't till I read, like, a couple books. Like, I remember reading Many Waters by uh, Madeline Engel. I loved that book as a kid. But just, it was very few books that I actually enjoyed reading. And then by the time I got to high school and college, I was doing so much reading for school that I, like, definitely wasn't reading in my free time. Um, it wasn't until after, like, my senior in college 
my mom bought me um what was it she bought me coldest winter ever and um by sister soldier and i that was like kind of the first time i read a book on my own and like i just like sat in my room and read that book for like a day straight like i just it devoured it and i was like bummed because it doesn't have a happy ending but i was like oh man this is like you know, I wasn't living that life, but I was like, oh, like, you know, my cousins live in New York and this is like p- parts of what they're experiencing. Cause obviously my uncle was not a drug trafficker, but, um, <laughs> yeah. and you know, like these are like girls that my cousins know and like that kind of stuff. So it really, I was like, oh, these are like people that I can like kind of relate to. Um, but then I went right back to having to, you know, read for school or work and all that stuff. Um, and I ended up reading Twilight for work actually. Um, I was working at Disney and my boss asked someone in the office to read Twilight for research purposes and I really liked it so me and a bunch of other women in the office read the whole series and then my friend Vanessa read it with me so we were like really into it and then another woman in my office introduced me to fan fiction so I started writing and reading Twilight fan fiction and then two of my friends um, in that fan fiction community encouraged me to start writing my own books and that's kind of how I got started but reading Twilight was how I got started reading romance because all my friends I made through Twilight then recommended other romance novels to me so then I just started inhaling books like I was just I read J.R. Ward's whole Black Dyer Brothers series like right away I read Outlander books right away um and then I found Beverly Jenkins when I found Beverly Jenkins it was a wrap I was like okay I was like I'm I'm in like I knew there was like I was like I'm gonna read all her books and then I found I found a NASCAR series by Aaron McCarthy um, that I really liked and I just was like okay these are my people like I just knew I was like this is all I'm reading forever. So so then how did you decide to like I guess as you could say it could be I guess like an organic thing where you went where you didn't only want to write romance but specifically erotica because erotica is to me is I always felt it seemed more personal from, from the writers because there's romance, but then if erotica, you have to be more like open, you know what I mean? Like for the, for the readers. And I always wonder like, what is it about erotica that inspired, what is, what is it that inspires writers to like write about something that's like, I guess you could say considered not explicit with like the nature, but just at least like personal. So I don't consider when I write erotica because I think erotica is just about the sex and not so much about the relationship. Like mm-hmm. erotica doesn't have to have a happy ending. That's true. Um, so I consider when I write more erotic and steamy romance because some of it's not erotic. It's just two people having sex. Um, I I don't know. I, well, I and when I was writing fan fiction, like that, all my fan fiction is pretty dirty. And like, I think some of the fan fiction I wrote that was pretty dirty was because especially coming out of, I think when you come out of fandoms where it's like really PG, yeah, the fan fiction ends up being like exponentially more dirty because people are like, oh, this is all the sex I wish the characters were having. Like I wrote one fan fiction that's literally, bet- it's between, what books is that in between? I think it's between Eclipse and Breaking Dawn, and it's like Edward and Bella doing everything but having sex before they get married. So it's like literally just like 12 chapters of them like getting to third base. It's ridiculous. Um, and then after that, I was like, oh, I'll just like keep writing like more porny stuff. But even when I was a kid, when I was in, um, when I was in seventh grade, we had to write 
a uh, like a short story with a partner, and me and my friend, I, we were so gross. Um, we wrote a story about like catching our friend, like one of our boys who was a friend, catching him like naked in the shower. I don't think we handed it in though, because I, I, I for sure we would have gotten in trouble for that. Um, but I was like, let's write like a dirty story, right? And I was like, let's write a dirty story, and like it was, I don't know. I've, I think I've always been kind of a pervert, so. <laughs> That, but I've written stuff with less sex. So I think my next book, my book that comes out in March, mm. there's not a lot of sex in that. And it's because of because of the plot. The heroine has a traumatic brain injury, so it wouldn't make sense. She, like, medically cannot just jump out of her hospital bed and start having sex. So um, there's not a lot of sex in that book. I think it just depends on if the story calls for it or not. Okay. So uh, this is actually a great segue for what I wanted to ask you next. So you just mentioned that you're... That- next heroine in your new in your book coming out soon is well not soon that's like next year is has a traumatic brain injury so i wanted to ask you about writing about characters with um disabilities or neuroatypical because for i think it's sanctuary to me um the hero lord let me look at his name again um silas it's silas right yeah he's neuroatypical correct yeah yeah so i i and i thought that was interesting because to my recollection, probably I've said I've read so much books and it's hard to keep track. But I think there's probably only one or two other books where I've read where one of the main characters is neurotypical. Like for me, I'm neurotypical. Like I have MS, so I have like cognitive impairment, but I also I'm also dyslexic. So like I, I like when I find those kind of characters, it's always like for me like it endears me to them more. And yeah. I mean, something and especially is something that because it's something that doesn't happen very often, especially in romance books. Um, I wanted to ask you like when you're writing those books, like what is your process for creating the characters and like how do you go about revealing it? because like you don't make it obvious like there's always like little hints about things they say or things they do well i think like with silas and he he explains it in the book i think especially for people of color um we're not diagnosed with stuff Mm -hmm. especially as kids because it's just people either see us like as a problem or it's just like oh that kid's just being hyper or i mean i know when i was a kid again like i had really bad ADD and I also um I was overstimulated right and I was overstimulated and sleep deprived so like in junior high the way that being overstimulated and sleep deprived to presented itself was like me being really super hyperactive and loud but that was just because I was tired and I I needed to be at like a 12 to kind of like get through my day um and some teachers put up with that and some teachers did not put up with that and I used to get in trouble all the time and whatever but no one was like what's going on with you I just got in trouble yeah you know what I mean it wasn't like no one was like hey are you like getting enough sleep are you okay like no one was you know checking in so I for Silas I kind of his thing was that he he had a growth spurt early and he was good at sports so all of his issues were kind of swept under the rug because it didn't matter that he wasn't doing well like socially or in school because he was good at sports and it just his his mom had a sense of what was going on but like the people around him just kind of like swept it under the rug um and i think for him 
I just wanted to like kind of give him a space to like be himself and like that was the farm like he was able to be his own boss and run his business the way that he wanted to run his business but also he had employees and friends who like understood him and weren't asking him to like change who he was or to do anything differently and then he meets this woman who's trying to understand him you know and he's able to open up to her about that yeah and so for when you're writing for um uh, a catcher who does have a traumatic brain injury you know this is a physical no this is more physical and uh, i guess it would say like chemical um what kind of research did you go about because there's so many different ways there's so many different ways that an injury can present right like, i'm not asking you to like give away like the complete plot because that would be like yeah, spoiling yeah. the book but like what was it like how did you decide okay this is the type of injury she's gonna have and this is how it's gonna manifest like did you speak to any neurologists and like that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of Googling and like what the Googling led me to realize was that ev- like every single case is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I had to kind of dramatize and like simplify some stuff too, because like the actual process of dealing with like anything medical is like boring. So if you like are just writing about like, oh, this is like my day to day in the hospital. Like while people are like, this is dull. Um, so I kind of, and also it's, it's more of like, uh, it's the story itself is more of like a fairy tale soap opera too. Mm. So I, I did a lot of research, but then I, I think if you, when you read this series, it feels more along the lines of like Jane the Virgin. It's kind of like absurd a little bit. Oh, and okay. like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like I think I get you mean like a lot of it is gonna be kind of like not hyper realistic, but like some actions maybe over dramatized or that kind of stuff. Yeah, like it's not gonna be. It's not gonna feel like she has this brain injury and it's the big part of the story. She she ends up having retrograde amnesia. Mm. That's not uh, that's not a spoiler. Um, and I found some cool stuff when I was researching about like spontaneous recovery, like when you get your memories back. Um, how certain kinds of amnesia works is obviously there's like um, they can be short term per- like permanent short term memory loss too. Like there's all different ways that memory loss presents itself, mm-hmm. and there's also memory loss like through actual like event trauma, right? So there's two like there's not two different kinds, but like there's memory loss where like something so traumatic happened that your brain is trying to protect you from remembering right, what happened. Right. Dissociative, I think it's um, dissociative amnesia, I think is what they call yeah, it. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Um sorry I don't have like my amnesia notes <laughs> handy. Um, <laughs> okay. And a lot of people experience that with sexual assault if they've been abused when they were children, that kind of thing. Yeah. Their brain like like basically like hides the memories away so you can like keep on living. Um and then I, I found actually some like really cool Reddit threads from people who have amnesia or who are experienced amnesia. And they talked about um, the way their personalities change, the way their relationships with people change. I found this interesting article about this man in Canada, I believe, who had amnesia for like 30 years and people had thought he had gone missing. So like he, he got into an accident, he wandered off whatever, they couldn't find him, he couldn't identify himself. Yeah. Um, and then he recovered his memory like 30 years later. Wow. <laughs> like everyone thought was like, oh, dude, we thought you were dead, blah, blah, So it's, amnesia can present itself in a lot of ways. Memory loss can present itself in a lot of ways. So I worked that out in the story. Obviously, it ties up in a nice neat package because it is a romance. Um, 
Yeah, I found I just did a lot of researching, and I I didn't want to get too too specific because it became very clear that every single person's case was really different. Yeah, that for me, that one, that one is going to be interesting for me because like with my cognitive impairment, like, I do have like short term memory loss sometimes. Like someone could be speaking to me, and like yeah. I might only remember like part of the conversation, and I'll be like, "Uh, what did you just say?" So like I might, yeah, so, like, sometimes, I have that too. <laughs> yeah. So like context sometimes get lost. Like if or I might be reading something and like I'll completely miss like the first part of a paragraph and like completely misunderstand. So like it's like I kind of I kind of I kind of um. That one would be interesting for me to read. <laughs> um, but for for you, like when you're writing these stories, um, when do you know that? When do you know how to wrap up a story? Like because like, it, to me, I kind of think of it as a song. Like, you're gonna keep going, keep going, but then there comes a point where you have to come up with your final verse and your final line, and you're like, okay, this is done. I can't do yeah. anything more with it. Um, I mean, sometimes I outline a lot, and I do follow. Um, I have several romance people who've written like great kind of like workshops and like outline tools so you know like how to plot out you know it's like with film like when you're doing your first act your second act your third act same thing with romance um so I usually I don't know usually I know I have a, get a gut feeling when like a scene is too going too long or the story itself is going too long um but usually I just follow, you know, those typical beats. Like, I know I have to get them to their dark moment where they, like, have their fight or something happens where you don't think that they're going to stay together and then they make up. Um, I don't know. That part of it usually comes pretty easily to me. Also, too, a lot of times when I'm writing books, I write the dark moment first. Mm. Um, I love writing arguments. Like, I love writing arguments. Yeah. Um, or I love writing scenes where the hero and the heroine are the couple the heroine and the heroine are um, just having a really emotional conversation. I love writing those scenes. So for the first cowboy book, A Cowboy to Remember, I the first thing I wrote for that was their their big fight at the end. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So you're kind of like, okay, that's interesting. And and you're talking about that, but I, like this week, I think it was yesterday on Twitter, <laughs> the day before yeah. recording this, you were talking about you have an idea for a character, but he's bad. And you're like, he goes yeah. against my pers- my personal ethics. And I wanted you to explain that a little bit more. Like when do you when you're when you're talking about he's bad and like your personal ethics, exactly what do you mean? Like if there's a type of character that you will never want to write or that you're hesitant of writing. Well, so like I'm hesitant to write like like I want I love what guys on motorcycles, right? So Rafe has a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I love like Hawkeye on a motorcycle, but a lot of like motorcycle clubs are wrapped up in like drug trafficking and like human trafficking and all this yeah. stuff but when you write like a motorcycle club that's like actual bad boys then you're like okay well how much of a criminal are you gonna like let your characters be yeah because like, criminals actually hurt people mm-hmm. and that's i don't want to write a guy who like or even a woman who's hurting people like that's not that's not what i want to do and i've also people are so tired so i feel like i always want to write characters who are really nice people mm-hmm. Um, so that I was kind of really struggling because I had this hero in mind and I was like, oh, I really want to make him bad. I don't know if you've seen that show. What's it called? Um, crap. What is that show called? There was a show on TNT. Maybe it was called Salvation. What was that show called? It was about union busters in the West. It only got one season. I'm looking it up right now. Mm, Sounds familiar. Um, Hold 
Anyway, so yeah. it was it was the show about two brothers. <sighs> yeah, I think it's called Salvation. Mm, yeah, I've heard of it. I didn't remember if I watched uh, it. I probably watched like one or two episodes, but yeah. Um, and I might be completely wrong. We can we can just put that in the episode notes. <laughs> um so yeah, it's about two brothers. One's like a, one's like a cop, and then the other one's a preacher. But they're both just like straight up murderers. Like mm. they both killed a bunch. Damnation. That's what. Damnation. Yes. Yes. I've seen like one or two episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a there's a couple. So Logan Marshall Green plays the guy who's like a Union Buster, who's also like a U.S. Marshal. Yeah. Um, but he can't read. So he hires a woman who's a sex worker, this beautiful black woman, yes. who can read his correspondence for him, and then they they slowly start falling in love. So it was I was thinking of something similar to that where it's like they're both horrible people. She's actually not a horrible person, but she's, you know, doing what she has to do to survive. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly a bad guy. But you like I was watching that show and I was like, Oh, I want them together so bad. Too bad the show got canceled. But yeah. Um, I remember that I, one. Yeah, like I sometimes you like see two like horrible people or like there's a show on called um, Yellowstone now. Kevin Costner's on it, mm. um, and his daughter is like a hot mess. His daughter Beth is like she's an alcoholic and she's like a total horrible person, um, but she is in love with the ranch foreman and he's also a horrible person. Like this dude has killed so many people on the show; it's ridiculous. But I want them together. So bad. Yeah, because you're like their chemistry is so like, good. Yeah, you're like, because your chemistry is so good. You're like, you're horrible people, but be horrible together. You deserve each other. I get what you mean. I never thought I would want to write something like that, but now I'm like, dang it. I kind of want to write like at least one story. I guess, or maybe are you? There's, there's probably somebody to redeem them. Like I know you mean because I've struggled with reading books with storylines like that. My, like my sister and I we used to read a lot of like Russian mafia books or like books yeah. with like yakuza or like triads or whatever. We used to read with books yeah, with, like yeah. couples like that, and you'd be like, this guy is complete. He's a murderer. Like he's a gangster. Like he's killed. He's an yeah. assassin. But I'm like, but he's so sexy and he has like good qualities, and I want him to go with this couple. And I'm like, I feel conflicted. I am personally. I personally in my life <laughs> would yeah. not want to get with someone like this but I mean I he's sexy it's like the joy of fiction I know right <laughs> I might write it one day I might not but it's definitely it's definitely percolating in the back of my brain yeah you know maybe, maybe write it and get it on your system and then you'll be like I did it I don't have to worry about it ever again yeah true true it'll yeah. be a one off not a series but yeah but that's, I think that's one of the interesting things about romance books especially is because like, there are there are characters like that where you're like you're a horrible person deep down but it's like the way how the story goes you're like you're like there's no redeeming qualities about you but yeah. I want you people to have some kind of happiness right like exactly. you're right I this want you to have like dirty sex that's really go, go have hot criminal sex yeah, <laughs> and you redeem go. yourself some way <laughs> make babies and raise dogs together on a farm somewhere <laughs> Yeah, I totally, I totally feel you on that. Like, I've had that conflict. I haven't read those kind of books in a while too, because I kind of felt the same way too. I'm like, am I condoning this? Am I some way, in some random way, condoning this kind of behavior by reading these kind of um, romances? Like, I think the world has changed a lot, and so I think when we now we like know the consequences more so of like bad people being bad because it's like in our face every day on mm-hmm. Twitter. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, before, like, I feel like even, like, Sons of Anarchy, like, I don't know, 
how that spinoff is doing or if that can't cancel yet. But, like, I feel like if you try to put out Sons of Anarchy, like, now, it wouldn't... It wouldn't do the as well. No. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I think it would just have a different feel to it, you know? It, it kind of would, because, like, if anything, like, I think, like, um, like I mentioned Shelly Larson, but, like, her books, like, her, um, her, uh, I call it, I call it the Feast of Crows series, but that's not the actual names. I think it's called Crows. Like, her series, like, yeah. it's about these women, and they're, like, they didn't necessarily lead, like, perfect lives when they were, like, but they always get, they get reincarnated by these, um, by Nordic gods and there's one and she brings them back and this is like a way for them to redeem their lives and I think it's a really interesting way how she how she redeems and like it's focused around women and they're all women of color which I love but it's about how you can like redeem people who like may not have been like the best in their life yeah. some of the some of the women have had traumatic experiences and like they died like through causes that were not their own but like some of them aren't perfect either and you're like they're killing these people but you know what these people are trash so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you can kind of like kind of like justify certain acts like yeah right yeah but i think i I just think romance is such an interesting genre to explore these kind of things like trap like personal trauma like mental um mental health issues and i like I, like as you mentioned like the world is like going is like so crappy right now we're always looking for something happy and yeah. like interesting to read like i read your like <laughs> when you mentioned that the character in um uh, with kayla's in the soul right series was modeled after Keanu Reeves I was like yes <laughs> I went straight and got the book and I was like I need this in my life <laughs> I think Michael's like the sweetest hero I've ever written to he's so he's like the nicest guy I've ever written I think he, he is because I'm like he's a billionaire and he's not a douche I'm like yeah so rare also he's like hot not a lot of billionaires are hot no like I mean for goodness sakes <laughs> you say he looks like Keanu Reeves like come on we can't go around there <laughs> <laughs> you you can't go wrong. <laughs> no, we can't. Yeah. Um. So so that like you mentioned you so the the books that you have coming up like you are ju- like how much books are you writing at the same time? Uh, I mean, technically only one at a time. I'm just writing them back to back. Oh, okay. So you've already completed the first one that you said is going to come out in March. Yes. And what's uh, the name of that one? A cowboy to remember. A cowboy to remember, and this one is going to be released um through. This is self published too. No, Kensington Books. Is Kensington Books too. Okay, right. So I can't wait to read that one. Uh, this one is going to be fun. I haven't read a cowboy book in like years. I I I was talking to like a couple people about horses recently. <laughs> um, Lauren of Christina Lauren, her daughter rides horses, and I was talking to her at Comic Con about my like weird love of horses mm-hmm. and my actually love of like cowboys and like all things western, like real and. Hollywood and whatever. I love horses mm-hmm. and I am bizarrely attracted. Well, first of all, I'm like bizarrely attracted to people who are like kind to animals. Like if you're if you're good with like kids and animals, I'm like, okay, I can like trust you. I feel like um, but I ever since I was a kid, like I just I like ha- always had the hots for people who were like really good with horses. Because horses are 
horses are so big mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. jack you up. And if yes. you have like a kind enough spirit to be able to get a horse to trust you, then I feel like you're like a really good person, which obviously is not true. But for me, it's not like the whole, like the cowboy mythos is not about like being strong and on the range and everything. It's like, no, you, you take care of a horse. And I find that oddly appealing. So my cowboys are definitely like, horsemen they're very they all have like except for the older brother i'll get into that but zach and um sam who you'll meet in the first book they're both they both have very special relationship with their horses and that was like really important to me listen i i i totally get it because like i love animals i love dogs especially when they see like hot men being kind to their dogs i'm like yeah. yes like come on give me my john wick please like i'm yeah, like yeah. john wick oh, maybe a murderer like, but come on like he loves his dog and his dog loves him yeah right and i'm like and horses are big like if you can't control a horse and like if you like who sit down and ride a horse and you know how to see or as they say you know how to see a horse it's like nothing sexier it's true <laughs> i totally feel you on that you are not alone in this Yes, there's something really, really sexy about a man on a horse. Ooh, especially if he has his shirt sleeves rolled up. Ooh, and his nice fitted jeans. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Anywho, let me not get too thin. Let me calm down. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so I think that's it. So thank you so much for speaking with me, Rebecca. Of course. And I look forward to your new, to your new books and like to your musings on Twitter and like to see what you do with this character that you mentioned. It'll be interesting to see if you actually write this up. Or as I said, I'll be happy to be your um your your test reader if you if you're like oh, hey, I don't know where it goes. I'm like a bad boy couple. Yeah. We'll, yes. We'll see if I write it. <laughs> like, whichever you decide. Uh, so again, thank you so much for speaking to me. And can you tell our oh. listeners where they can find you on social media? Um, so I'm on Twitter um, at r.spoon, spelled out, so R-D-O-T-S-P-O-O-N. Um, my website is just RebeccaWeatherspoon.com. I'm on Instagram also under Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, I'm on Facebook under Rebecca Weatherspoon, but I'm never on Facebook. So <laughs> if you're actually looking for me, I'm on Twitter all day and all night. Okay, then again, thank you so much, Rebecca. And this has been fun and informative. Thank you. <laughs>